Hello, and welcome to Metachemistry. This is episode 20. In today's episode, we will be engaging in the age-old debate, vanilla versus sectorial, which is better? Now, I gotta say, I know I'm prone to being a serial obsessive. And what I mean by that is I tend to find things that I get interested in and deep dive on them until I lose interest and then move on to the next thing. And it's interesting what comes up for you and what you start to deep dive on during a year of COVID. One of the things I got interested in over the last year that is rather obscure, but I find fascinating, is the world of arm wrestling. And I've been following YouTube videos for the last year, watching arm wrestling and studying up on the greatest of all time. Recently, we had a big arm wrestling match here in the United States. It was between John Brzezink, who is widely considered the greatest of all time, who came out of retirement and is prepping for an international tournament over in Russia. And he was called out by a young gun, a guy by the name of Chance Shaw, who wanted a super match with John. John is 57 years old. Over the last four decades, he's largely dominated the sport until he went into retirement. And so he's come out of retirement to compete again. And this match is an interesting match because it puts this old veteran who is wily and cagey and has been around the block against a new young up-and-comer. But more than that, I think it's fascinating because it's a demonstration of two different approaches or styles related to arm wrestling. And I would loosely categorize it as that discussion between which is better, being really, really good at everything, a generalist, or being exceptional at one thing, a specialist. In their match, it was a best of five, and John ended up winning three to one. But what I thought was interesting about it was, early on, Chance was able to take one off of John. John tries to go into the hook, and Chance knows how to power through that with the top roll. And as a result, John has to adapt, and he has the tools and ability and disposition to take away and neutralize Chance's best move. Chance is a specialist. He knows how to top roll better than almost anybody, but he doesn't have anything else to draw on. That is the one card that he can play. So what do you do when you are exceptional at something, it causes you to rise to the top in that sport or endeavor or competition, but then you run up against somebody who knows how to neutralize you and is able to take the fight to areas that you're not particularly good at. This is part of what I think I find fascinating about the generalist versus specialist discussion. The generalist is somebody, it takes a long time to get good at a lot of different things. If you want to rise to the top quickly, it's oftentimes best to specialize and become excellent at one thing. However, when you come up against someone who knows how to neutralize your one play, you oftentimes don't have anything else to go to. And so that sets the table for our discussion tonight because we're going to be talking about vanilla versus sectorials. And I think I'd like to argue that the debate between a generalist and a specialist, one who is really good at a lot of things versus one who is excellent at one or two or a few things, is at the heart of the discussion. But before we get into all of that, we want to take a moment to thank Mythic Games for sponsoring the podcast. Mo Games is an online supplier of all things Infinity. As part of its sponsorship of Metachemistry, Mo will be providing a discount code to its store available to all our patrons, as well as a $40 gift card that will be raffled off to our community once a month. Make sure to like our Facebook page and join our Discord to ensure that you are entered to win. What is better than games? Mo Games. All right, so let's check in with our lineup for our episode tonight. Our lineup tonight is Devin, Nathan, and myself. Let's start with Nathan. This is an interesting topic to me. I think uh, I, I talked to some of the, a couple of the elite players responded to my request for, for a comment. 
And I think we can uh, pepper that in throughout the this episode. Devin, how about you? I think that there is definitely an advantage to a generalist mindset. I think my overall position on generic or vanilla armies versus sectorials is that I feel like most of the time generic armies are going to have better tools and are overall probably a little bit stronger. But I really like sectorials. It helps take profiles that you're not normally going to take in vanilla. And I like that they're more cohesive. They generally have a, a tighter theme. Whereas, you know, you put a handful of vanilla models together and they don't always look like they really belong. So some of your argument would be thematic and aesthetics over necessarily like function or utility. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely important to me. Like that's why, you know, there are definitely like mercenary factions are hard for me. Like I don't play any mercenary factions and at least 70% of it is that reason where they're just, they feel disjointed to me. I know. And every time I put together a vanilla Aleph list that has any mercenaries in it, you kind of spit on me a little bit. I mean, just at you. I mean, that's, that's a little harsh. <laughs> I'm not saying literal, metaphorical. Just in your general direction. <laughs> yeah, I spit on you. Okay, so we're going to get into this whole this whole topic. And like we said, we're, we're going to talk through vanilla versus sectorials. And we're going to ask the question, which of the two is better? And of course, you know, with a game as nuanced as Infinity, with so much uh, option, so many different variances and a variety of factions and whatnot, you can certainly make declarative statements like one is better than the other. And we're going to make those tonight. So I thought we could break it down into three general topics and then have a kind of free for all within that. I want to ask the question, when we look at vanilla versus the sectorial, is there one that is easier start to start with than the other? Like we're thinking about someone getting into a faction, getting into infinity, exploring what a faction has to offer. Is it preferable to start with one over the other? The second topic I thought we could kick around is what are the relative strengths and weaknesses of vanilla versus the sectorial? And then finally, I thought we could look at which is more competitive. We are a tournament podcast. We are a competitive podcast. We're interested in how to do well in a tournament play. And so I want to ask the question, is it better to lean into one or the other? So to start us off, I'm going to kick it to Nathan. Nathan, do you have a take on whether or not it's easier to get into vanilla or infinity, especially if you're trying to learn the game? I mean, I think there's only one choice here, and that's vanilla. Not having to deal with link teams or or spamming units just being able to take anything that comes out of you know whatever box that you think looks cool and putting it on the table and kind of learning the game that way how single attack pieces work and how to how to do different things with your pieces is great for the like the total beginner going from brand new never touched the game i think it's just much better to start with vanilla you can have a bunch of different things from all the different sectorals and decide where like where you want to go or you might find that the, the faction just has nothing for you, but I, I think a sectoral is a lot harder to learn just because if you're not using the fire teams, you're probably playing at a disadvantage compared to a vanilla player, which it's early, so you're playing at a disadvantage anyway, but I think it's a lot easier to pick up how the game works and how things interact when you're not trying to figure out how a dang fire team works. Sure. Devin, I'm pretty sure you take a counterpoint to this position. What are your thoughts about what if if someone new to Infinity was coming to you and wanting to get in, would you suggest to them vanilla like Nathan, or would you suggest a sectorial? I would definitely suggest a sectorial. Um, I think that, yes, there's a disadvantage for not using fire teams immediately, but like Nate said, it's not really that big of a deal because... If you're at the point where you're just starting and you're not using fire teams inside of a sectorial, more likely than not, the person you're learning with or who's teaching you the game is not either. So it's kind of a moot point. And I guess they could be playing vanilla, but that's not really here nor there. But all of the army boxes 
are centered towards sectorials. So all of your, you know, one-stop shop, here's enough to play a full game if you want, boxes. Those are all sectorial buy-ins. They're all centered around a theme, and so they feel more cohesive. And I think the biggest one is that there is a much narrower selection of troops, which is really beneficial for a new player because it's overwhelming to see this long scrolling bar of icons in army and not know what any of them necessarily mean or what corresponds to what or, oh, these two models both have this skill and this weapon. Is there a good reason for me to pick one over the other? All of those questions are just points for someone who's new to the game to get stuck on. And so I think having a sectorial is going to at least minimize that to a degree. That'll still happen to someone who's brand new to the game just because you, know, you don't know what's good yet or how to use those things to make them good or whatever the case may be. But I feel like sectorials are far more beneficial for a new player. Okay, so good point, good point. I will weigh in and I will say I think vanilla is better. So Nate, you and I, we win two to one. Sorry, Devin, you're out. No, you're not. <laughs> Dropped from the podcast. <laughs> no, I think actually, Devin, you make a really good point. I think if I were just talking in the abstract, and I'll qualify this by saying I learned by playing vanilla first. So I probably am biased in that direction. I really liked the style of play of vanilla. I like the idea of operating with solo pieces in space and freedom that you're not having to worry about the clunky mechanics of towing one two three four other troops in the wake of your active troop we can get into some of the details or, or the particulars around that you know we oftentimes talk about the rule of cool and you just pick the things that you're very interested in you can make that work in vanilla whereas it's a little bit more conditional in a sectorial but i do think Devin, you raise a really good point in that the packaging right now with and how corvus belly promotes the game how they package the units how they create starter boxes those all definitely serve to incentivize someone getting into a sectorial first with a limited selection of troops that are ready to play and you figure out how they operate and then you build a base from there. So, Nathan, what do you think about Devin's point that a lot of the marketing with Corvus Belly leans towards starting with a sectorial? I mean, a lot of it for me is when I started playing, I started with Corregidor. And I just got rocked and rocked and rocked and rocked and rocked until I switched to playing vanilla. And then I started actually winning games. And it wasn't for another couple of years that I started playing sectorals again because I just, uh, and even to this day, like five man active link teams are just not my jam. And that's not an uncommon sentiment. I know a lot of veteran established, excellent players who say, Hey, I don't, I don't want anything to do with a five man link. It's just too cumbersome. It slows me down. It doesn't add the extra like six cents and extra ballistic skill. I'm willing to, forego those to have just a leaner meaner team that i can move actively yeah i think that's pretty common i've heard that from a number of people that they'd prefer you know maybe a three-man core and a harris as opposed to a five-man core because it opens up slots in your combat groups to have more interesting troops in that way and you're not as concentrated so i mean there are definitely benefits to that so, Devin, what do you say about the fact that with a when you're playing a sectorial as a beginner, not only do you need to learn the basic actions of the game, the basic fundamentals, but you're laying on top this added dynamic of link teams and how they operate, how they move, and not just not just like the rules of link teams, which can be cumbersome in and of themselves, but then just the tactics of a link team. It, it adds just one more component to the learning curve. Yeah, I mean, that's something that is certainly more difficulty that you'll have, you know, when you're first starting out. But I think that by the time it's worthwhile to have a new player incorporate fire teams, they've gotten at least a handful of games before they've even started that. So ideally, you know, you have a moderate grasp on the basics of play. And so 
there are extra things to keep in mind, I suppose, like maneuvering a fire team conceptually is not much different than, you know, moving up a couple models individually in terms of like where you end up placing them and, and things like that. It's just kind of magnified of that concept. So, you know, if you have a couple models that you're trying to take the midfield with, you still want to try and avoid spots where you line them up for templates or keep them out of blast radius for circular templates and things like that. Same sort of thing with fire teams. It's just more difficult to do, I suppose. But I think it's useful to kind of get that extra order efficiency for players and kind of discourage just, I feel like a lot of new players like to Rambo run with a single model. And that kind of helps divvy up the orders a little bit, I think. And a makes them think about using what might otherwise be weaker profiles, like, you know, basic line troops. You're not really going to see those very much in vanilla lists. And if you are, they're going to be extremely limited most of the time. Like there are some exceptions, but, you know, your basic line Kazakh, Aguasil, you know, that level of trooper is not something you see in vanilla lists very commonly. So it's kind of nice to be able to use those units and have people accustomed to seeing that there are some things that they are useful for and there are tasks that they can do and make them more comfortable using those things. So while it is more complexity, I don't think it is so much so that it's going to be a major problem. I think it's just you're going to have to learn to deal with fire teams one way or another because sectorals are so common even if you're not playing them that you know it's a good way to learn what uh, doesn't work for fire teams is getting your fire team wrecked all the time. Yeah, that's true. I tell you what, though, when I started with vanilla and I played vanilla for quite a bit of time before OSS ended up coming out, and I, you know, as a vanilla player, I would learn how to beat a fire team, um, how to take it apart, how to what was risky, what was scary, how to dismantle. But I really didn't fully understand how to really beat fire teams until I started using them. And once I started playing OSS, I certainly, it upped my vanilla game, I think, quite a bit. So I, I'm realizing as we're talking, and we're talking about, uh, at least in this subtopic, we're talking about what's easiest for new players to start with. We're assuming quite a bit of knowledge. So uh, Nate, I was wondering if you could maybe spell out exactly what are some of the broader contours of the benefits of playing a sectorial versus playing a vanilla faction and when you pull up army what you're looking at and help our listeners understand how to differentiate the two so a vanilla army is a cosplay party from a bunch of different fandoms that have nothing to do with each other and look stupid all put in the same room, which is why I don't play vanilla armies anymore. So yes, here's my 180. I don't play vanilla armies. I think they're horrible. Specifically, like they just look weird all together. Uh, like Ariadna having French and Russians and Americans all on the table is, is stupid. Uh, and it makes me not like that Cosmoflot either. But Vanilla gets all the toys. You get at least one of everything. Uh, there's so few profiles or models that you can't take in Vanilla. Uh, specifically, there's some like Shaz ones that I don't think you get. There's very, very few models that, that you can't take in Vanilla. So it lets you take anything. And like you were saying, you're going to have less cheerleaders on the table because everything you have is going to be kind of tuned to its mission. You're not filling up a link team with chaff. Uh, you're not spending too many points on your link team, so you have to run chaff. A vanilla army is going to be all pieces or or mostly pieces that are doing the job you need them to do. And a very specific job, whether it's attack or push buttons. Okay. And you, you have lower availability of those pieces than sectorals. Uh, and then in, in the sectoral, the powerhouse of the sectoral is the link team. You're going to be able to run a five man link team and a Harris which are very good abilities. They're very, very good abilities. What it, but what it takes away is like a third or more of the troop choices usually go away because you're playing a very, very trimmed down, very themed list, uh, which visually I think is way better. It, lo it looks very nice on the table because everything kind of has a synergy with everything else. 
and you're also getting a higher AVA of a lot of pieces. Uh, like, you know, in your infiltrating camel pieces, you might get one or two of each of each type in vanilla. But in a sectoral, you may get like AVA five of something or, you know, AVA total of something that you, you only got three of in vanilla. So you're having less choices, more of that choice and adding a fire team. Yeah, I think that's really good. Devin, do you have anything to add? On the availability note, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about the sectorial army boxes. But also, I think that specifically from a new player perspective, it's kind of one of those things to, you know, you buy a box of troops and you can't run all of those troops if you're playing vanilla, not all at once. I mean, it's still good to be able to kind of WYSIWYG profiles and things like that, where you can show the right the right weapon for the right troop. Uh, in fact, I think I saw someone on posting on the Facebook earlier today for WGC. They're like, hey, I bought this box of Mobile Brigada. They're AVA too. Does that mean I can't use half the things in my box? And then, you know, of course, people explained, you know, how that works in Corregidor and things like that. But that's something just to kind of keep in mind, primarily for new players. Um, obviously, people that have been in the game kind of already have those concepts in mind. But um, yeah, in terms of kind of benefits from one over the other, I'm with Nate. I already said this earlier, but definitely part of it is that they look like they go together. And that's something that's pretty important to me. I I like that quite a bit. But conversely, having the right tool is really valuable. And I think it's really powerful if you're playing vanilla and you have the right tool, because you can say that I'm playing, you know, X sectorial and wow, I really wish I had, you know, Eclipse in this sectorial. Well, you may have it in vanilla and can take some of those things, but you can, you can kind of compensate for those weaknesses that you find in various sectorials, which can be really powerful. Like I, I know that there are plenty of people who do really well for themselves playing vanilla, even if that's not necessarily the most popular way to play the game. Yeah, says you. <laughs> so I do think you raised some interesting points. I want to tease out a couple more items. First, with the tighter selection of trooper profiles, but increased availability of those profiles. Devin, would you say that sectorials tend towards a more of a skew list building approach? Commonly. Yeah, it's going to vary. I mean, there's a lot of different sectorial options out there now. and But generally speaking, I think that that's common. Like you can see steel phalanx. Steel phalanx can lean really hard into mimetism if you want. You can have an entire list where all of the troops are mimetic or, you know, invincible army. Like, okay, I can play an entire two wound list with, you know, decent or better armor and skew that way. Or I can play a sectoral and take two of this, of a particular tag or things like that. So, yeah, I think that you're more likely to find skew lists in sectorials. Not the vanilla can't, but there's going to be a different way. Like they would be branching out across profiles that have whatever trait you're trying to skew towards. But I think it's a lot easier to do in a sectorial. Okay. And then Nathan, given that sectorials have a limited selection of trooper profiles, it strikes me that they min max a little bit more and they have then some really powerful components but also some gaps i think we can agree that there are oftentimes gaps which not having certain access to certain things means it might compromise your ability to do certain missions well so what do you say to a new player who says but thematically this looks so cool and yet they're not going to be able to do their the mission for the tournament that they're going to be playing in very well with their sectorial. Uh, I mean, they're new, so do it anyway. Who cares? Fair. Like, I, yeah, like you're, you ain't going to win this tournament. You might as well have a good time and like see where you're lacking, right? Because like I might see that, oh, man, you're going to have such a hard time getting up the table to button push with no, you know, high quality camo infiltration or obvious camo infiltration. So, you know, I'm going to say, you know, take some hard losses and see how it works. Trying to get someone who, like, they walk into the game and they say, and they see, you know, Samurai, Space Samurai, which is a huge pull to Infinity. You're not going to suddenly convince them 
well, before you weren't going to suddenly convince them to also play vanilla Yu Ching, right? Before they broke off. Uh, that's just not going to happen. Like same with knights. If they if they came into the game wanting to play knights, like convincing them to play vanilla with a bunch of Varuna pieces or or you know NCA pieces, it, that's a waste of your time. I, like if they walk into the game and go and oh man, I got to play this army. This is this is why I'm here. Uh, like they want to play U.S. Marines or something, and they they see that American army and they they go for that. Do it. Play that. Just know you're going to take some hard losses. But trying to convince someone to jump from a sectoral into vanilla is extremely rough, especially if they're like me and they think that they look stupid. Totally. Okay, let's then start to uh, swing this a little bit more towards competitive. Let's. We're not talking to new players anymore, but we're talking to veteran players. Like I would say, if I'm prepping for a tournament, I'm going to definitely factor in those missions before I decide what faction I'm playing and even someone like me who's who plays only one specific uh, vein i either play vanilla aleph or i play oss there have been plenty of times where i've looked at the mission lineup and made a decision if i'm going to run vanilla versus oss based on the missions that are offered and it's almost always can i make oss work in these this mission profile because if not, I'm playing vanilla. Because I know I can make vanilla work for almost any collection of missions. What do you think about that, Nathan? You should be able to play vanilla in any mission, right? It should have all the tools for all of those missions. It, it, it used to be that maybe Toha didn't have all of the all of the tools that you need for any possible variance. Uh, but even that's not true. Like like. They're just fantastic. Like they're fantastic vanilla now. I would say that a vanilla army is should be able to play competitively on any mission just because of the variety of pieces you can bring. Now, whether you bring the right pieces or not, that's entirely up to your army building. But it should have the pieces to get the job done. That's one of the disadvantages of the sectoral is that it doesn't have all the pieces. Perhaps uh, so, your vanilla better have all the pieces, right? And I think that's a big check mark in the category of why you want to play vanilla over a sectorial. And if you, especially if you're wanting to play it competitively, is reliability. To use the analogy I was using at the beginning of the podcast, the generalist versus the specialist, there's certainly an argument to be made for the specialist who you can get real good results pretty early on in the evolution of your game if you are hyper focused on a particular style or approach to play you are specializing with with a certain focus like you can if you dial that in really really well i've seen plenty of people get great results early from specializing but over the long haul over the course of your entire infinity career i feel like the better you get at being a generalist the better you're going to be at the game across the board Devin, do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, I think that from a competitive viewpoint, I think that vanilla or generic armies are probably stronger overall exactly for those reasons. Like you can build your list to accommodate just about anything. The vanilla option for any given faction pretty much always has a tool for any given job there there are some exceptions but by and large you can get anything you really need and usually even want into a list so i think that there's an edge to be had for vanilla factions in that way now obviously that doesn't mean sectorials are significantly worse i don't i don't think that they are a huge margin worse. And I'm sure there are plenty of people who disagree with me and think sectorials are better. But I think that knowing what those sectorials are capable of, if because if you're playing at a competitive level, there's a decent chance that your opponent has at least some idea of the weaknesses of your sectorial. And so that's something that they can potentially exploit, especially if they have a more flexible list. So I think, I think Vanilla kind of edges it out in terms of potential power but you know i'm just gonna you know square peg into round hole and play my tutorials anyway because i like how they look all right well let's not just 
draw on our own experience. Nathan, you spent some time reaching out to some other competitive players. I'm curious what you were able to feel like, what responses you were able to field from them. So for the most part, I'm going to do a bit of paraphrasing. So if you hear me paraphrase what you said and you don't think that I got the full gist of it, let me know. Uh, but Polynikes, who you will know as the one of the sponsors of our show, uh, also an extremely good player, uh, said uh, he thinks that most sectorals are not well designed. Uh, he says all vanillas are fine. As for better, he thinks that sectorals, but he's biased for sure, as he doesn't really play sectorals. Um, and I'm taking this to mean that he doesn't like the way that some sectorals are well are designed. Uh, I, I would love to know more about that. Uh, maybe we can have him on and talk about that at some point. Probably that some have fewer native weaknesses. Yeah, but he, he thinks sectorals are better, and he is a pretty hardcore vanilla player as i'm yeah he's an exclusive vanilla player right he's he's like the vanilla guy so uh that's a that's a strong statement there um i talked to james chavot uh savant on the forums and in our discord and he said that he doesn't think either format has superiority over the other from a tournament's perspective he does find that new players gravitate towards sectorals which eases the transition into a deep game but veteran players benefit from the nuance of playing vanilla, which is an, it, kind of an opposite take from uh, what what most of us have been saying that that like maybe vanilla might be easier, and then it's uh, maybe your your deep late game becomes from a sectoral. But uh, he thinks it's the other way around. And then uh, he was apparently hot tubbing, so it took him a long time to give me this. So I hope he had fun hot tubbing. Uh, and the last person I talked to was Tim Chainsaw. He says that vanilla generally means that you've got a really lean set of units. There's no wasted points towards link team filling and the freedom to take whatever they want. Like at the highest level, many of the best factions are vanilla. Normally, these ones have exceptional things that are locked there, Avatar, for example, or Achilles with the non-SP limitations. I think the best sectorals are the ones with the most freedom to choose units. So even from like top players, we're getting a lot of kind of mixed yeah, there's a diverse. So, you know what I find interesting is Polynikes is almost exclusively a vanilla player who appreciates and almost sees sectorials as more powerful. And then on the other end of the spectrum, Tim almost exclusively plays sectorials and is talking about vanilla as being where it's at. Uh, so, I wonder, like, I find that just fascinating in and of itself. And of course, Savant, James, ever the diplomat, sees both sides. And uh, so not everyone that I reached out to had time to get back to me before we recorded. Uh, but if you have some thoughts on it, uh, feel free to join the Discord and let's talk about it. There's all the sectoral rooms that we can talk. They can talk in the end for discussion. Just whatever, whatever your opinion is, uh, we'd love to hear it on the Discord. Yeah, that's a good point. So I've got a few things I want to throw out to you. Um, one of the, th the thoughts that I feel like is worth considering is how adaptable one style is towards the other. So let's just say you start as a, sec a sectorial player and you really dial that in and then you have to transition to vanilla. I want to make the argument that that transition is more difficult than starting with vanilla and transitioning to a sectorial. And the reason why I say that is I think that the the vanilla style of play can be adapted to a sectorial style of play. You can essentially play in space with a lot of solo troops in a sectorial and have like a defensive core link or whatever, not have to move it around too often and really dial in, really focus on your solo pieces. Whereas if you have really dialed in your sectorial approach and then you're adapting to a vanilla style of play where you're operating in freedom with solo pieces that's going to be a lot more challenging what do you guys think about that i would say that you're probably largely right and that transitioning from vanilla to sectoral is somewhat easier and so while you can probably still play a similar game where you're essentially not utilizing or very minimally utilizing fire teams 
I think that because you don't have the same breadth of profiles, that I think it won't translate as well. And I think basically all sectorials, there are some exceptions, but basically all sectorials are built around utilizing fire teams. And so I think that it's still not a straight shot one to one. So transitioning to a sectorial still would take some getting used to if you haven't utilized fire teams. And I think that that will definitely hinder you for a bit until you get comfortable with that. But yeah, I think it's probably a little bit harder to go the other way around. And if you're relying on fire teams to not have access to those in vanilla and then not necessarily knowing immediately what to take, and it takes a lot of experimentation to get comfortable in vanilla. But I don't think it's a massive gap between the two. So building on that, one of the things that I prize about playing in vanilla is freedom. There's a lot of conversation that happens when talking about the power of sectorials and link teams, how efficient they are. And I wonder if that's a bit of a misnomer. For sure, any anytime you have two or more units linked and you're activating all of them with an order, there is a built-in efficiency there. But I feel like it sometimes gets overstated that when you're moving forward, you're like, oh, with one order, I get to move these three troops. But oftentimes, having two other troop troops in tow with your active troop slows down your active troop. You're having to factor in and consider where you're going to place them, how you're going to provide cover, how they're going to engage the opponent, and how much exposure you have. And so you don't necessarily get all the movement value, per, for instance, out of a troop that you might normally have if you were operating with that troop solo in freedom, and where all it has to care about is itself. What are your thoughts on efficiency, Nathan, as it relates to sectorials and vanilla troops? For a new player, the efficiency of a link team, the only real efficiency he's going to get is for me. I'm going to efficiently kill that link team because he is screwing it up. And now he's just wasted a whole bunch of orders. For the veteran player, I think there's a ton of efficiency in having a link team, especially with all the wild cards that there are now that you can put in there so that you can make sure you have every job covered from long range weapons to button pushing to having a boarding shotgun, some deployables. There's so many different tools that you can put into a, a good link team now that I find that extremely efficient. Vanilla, I don't think is going to be quite as efficient in terms of moving a single piece around because you don't have five buddies coming with it. But at the same time, you know, if moving a single piece is less dangerous to that piece. So you might be getting some efficiency out of that. But overall, I think that a veteran player is going to get some really nice efficiency out of having a five man or, or a, a pair of three man, you know, or toe hostile, whatever, however you run your link teams, they're going to get some efficiency out of that. Okay, so you raised some other interesting points for me. Let's talk about force projection. So in a link team, you're able to compound and stack a lot of extra stats. And oftentimes when we're talking about, especially defensively, that uh, the bonuses that you get in a five-man link create a lot of force projection. That said, you're also clustering five, at least five troops in the same area. And so that... If you have a maximum of 15 troops that you're bringing to the table and five of them are already clustered in one space, it makes your opponent kind of be able to anticipate exactly where you're going to be bring, bringing pressure at them from. So what are your thoughts about that dynamic of while you're able to project a lot of force through the, the bonuses of the link, you're also creating a bit of a static nature to your um, your deployment, where your opponents can anticipate exactly where the force is going to be coming from. So when I deploy, I want to have a like a, a kill level of two orders or more, which is to say that I want an opponent to have to spend two orders or more to kill any of my pieces. Um, and with a link, like a defensive link team, I'm I'm relying on burst to do that. Hopefully, I'll win an engagement, and then he has to spend another order. Uh, but for everything else, I want him to have to move, then move, shoot, 
with with two orders to kill something. So when I have a five man link team, this is one of the reasons I don't like them, and I have it halfway up the table. He's going to have one model, and it's going to start getting kills with every action as it starts cutting the pie. If it's the right piece to kill a link team, and admittedly, I'm going to get shots back, uh, at least you know for the until I lose my sixth sense. But I don't want him to have that kind of order efficiency in murdering my dudes with you know one order a piece. I would much rather have my guys spread out and have him spend two, three, four orders hunting things down because that screws his order pool. How about you, Devin? What are you, your thoughts about how how you get restricted in your deployment when you're running links and how you're making it potentially efficient for your opponent to know exactly where you're going to be, what vector you're going to be coming at them with, even if you have all those extra bonuses? Well, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword in that regard because... While it, you're you're kind of more obviously telegraphing, hey, I have my core team here, and they're obviously not a defensive core with, say, missile launchers or something that doesn't want to move up at all. But if you have something that you have the possibility of advancing with, they know where you're coming from. But that also means that depending on what they have available, they'll have to retreat from that fire lane. Like, no one wants to deploy standing up in front of, you know, a burst five HMG that's in a full core team that's on solid ballistic skill and has, you know, other combat related skills. Like if you're fighting, I don't know, a Mermer or something with an HMG, like you don't want to be standing in front of that. So you're going to duck out of the way. You're not going, you're either not deploying there or you're deploying prone or things like that. So while your opponent knows where you're coming from, that also means that they may want to avoid that entirely. And so that may kind of give you a little bit more leeway or control or influence over their deployment that, you know, a single trooper may not because, you know, the fire team bonuses for a full core are pretty substantial. Like that takes even, you know, basic troops and turns them into a ballistic skill that would be pretty respectable on anything by itself. When you're evaluating different factions, both vanilla and sectorial, what are some of the standout ones that you think are worthy of consideration? And, you know, we've made a point to say, hey, we're not interested in tier lists or like we're not interested in tier factions and which is the most like prominent or powerful. But w when you look at the landscape of infinity, what are the classic vanilla factions that you think are worthy of consideration and would encourage someone to explore if they're going to play vanilla? And then vice versa, what are some great sectorials? If someone's interested in playing a sectorial that you'd kind of nudge them towards to consider? In terms of like play, all the vanilla are pretty great in terms of play. The only one that I probably not push a new player into is is Toha. They're just they're just different enough to maybe give them a rough time. Uh, not unplayable by any I stretch of the imagination. They're very 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 good. Just not something I would try and push a a new player into. But if I if I had to pick one, I would probably say Combined Army because of the vanilla armies. I think it's the one that looks the best on the table altogether. Especially with like the new sculpts seem to have really brought. Uh, a combined feel to it, even though they have different guns and different types of armor. Uh, they just feel more like a, a cohesive army than any of the other vanillas in terms of looks. But in terms of play, I think any of the vanilla sectorals are, are great for play. Yeah. Like when I think of combined, I, f I think of really high profile power pieces that are exceptionally skilled backed up with tons of orders, lots of area con control, all the camo and infiltrators and button pushers that you could ever need, and the ability to pressure your opponent with impersonators. There's just not a lot you can't do with vanilla right now in Combined Army. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Avatar, Caranted, Anathematic, these are 
superhero units, right? They're just phenomenal, phenomenal, fantastic units, which like most other vanilla armies don't have access to something that ridiculous. How about you, Devin? Do you have a favorite vanilla that you like, you at least appreciate from afar since you don't play vanilla? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's happened. Actually, I played vanilla for a long time because you know, uh, playing Aleph. That was all you had. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't get a sectoral until uh, Paradiso and N2. But yeah, and it wasn't the half that I wanted. I wanted the OSS half. That's what I got into the army for. I, I appreciate still Phalanx and still enjoy playing them, but that wasn't what I wanted at the time. Uh, but yeah, in terms of your actual question, uh, I would say probably combined for me too is a real standout, mostly because of the EI aspects. It's one of the vanilla factions that really has something like this is unique to vanilla. Like, whereas other vanilla factions, the uniqueness comes from the combination of units. But in Combined Army, these are vanilla-exclusive units. They do not fall into any sectorial. You can't take them if you don't play vanilla. And I think that's really interesting. EI Sectoral 2022. Uh, right, yeah. I mean, there's always that. Yeah, I mean, that would be, that'd be pretty awesome. But, uh, yeah, and I think that I'd almost like to see more of that, like something that kind of is a little bit more unique, something that kind of like, oh, these are models that don't belong to a sectoral necessarily. And so that is actually an interesting draw in and of itself. So that's probably my main standout just because I, I think that that's really interesting. And I, I feel like there are probably some examples in other factions that aren't immediately springing to mind. Otherwise, a lot of it's like mercenary stuff that's cool, I guess, but just worsens the problem that I already have with vanilla that it just looks off. You know, it's interesting that you say that. I remember when OSS came out, I commented about how I felt it was, there was a missed design opportunity that I, I felt like post-humans could have been exclusive to vanilla. When I look at OSS, I think it does not need post-humans to be competitive. But everyone's going to take them because why wouldn't you if you're if you're wanting to play competitively? Whereas vanilla, I would argue that you need posthumans to be effective in vanilla Aleph, and so I thought that would have been a real neat opportunity to have like posthumans exclusive to vanilla alone. So I like the train of thought you had there of like exclusive vanilla profiles. Yeah, I think that, that that would be pretty interesting. And I, I don't always run post-humans in OSS. In fact, eh, I wouldn't say it's more common that I don't, but it's probably close to a coin toss. That's because you're a hipster. Yeah, that must be it. Because I'm, I'm wrong and a hipster. I mean, you know, sometimes I play other things. I've been playing this faction a long time, man. I do what I want. I played it before it was cool. It was cool when it came out. That just there was never a period before it was cool, but I was there for its birth of coolness. I used to run vanilla with no steel phalanx in it. That was cool before it was cool. Uh yeah, I yep, I've done that, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but yeah, I think that that's probably it Combined Army's the biggest like vanilla standout, probably for that reason. And I agree that post humans would be an interesting move and swap in Atlanta because she expressly has fluff of working with the operations subsection. I think that would be a really interesting change for the sectorial because that's a really cool tool that isn't present. And that's, and post humans being vanilla only, I think would be really interesting, but yeah, I, I think that exclusivity uh, for combined is really neat. And like Nate said, their overall model line has kind of started to take components from different factions as they've gotten revamped and they're generally looking a bit more cohesive like the armor design's different but they share elements and it's not like you know previous to Shizvasti rework and and you know previous Marat you know Marat Super Saiyan hair rework those all look very different and it, it was pretty discordant and then the uh Extra, the extra were just another layer of of sadness. They didn't even look the look right together, much less with the rest of the faction. 
I think you just lost like 15% of our podcast listeners. Been playing for a long time. It's true. Yeah. So for those uh, who are a bit newer to Infinity, a long time ago, there was another faction called the Extra. And so they were, uh, they only had a couple models. They had, um, I think, four different unit profiles, five different unit profiles, something like that. And yeah, they, their paint scheme didn't really match up together. They didn't really look very much like one another. And they were very different from the rest of Combined. And there are a number of reasons why they're not in the game anymore that I won't elaborate on because it's not relevant to the current discussion. But uh, but Extra is? <laughs> I mean, we've been talking about Extra for now five minutes, so you might as well say why. I'll Extra Sectoral 2022, thank you. It's the, they're the squats of of infinity. They're the squats like bring back the X It's like mm, no, no more AD jumping tags that explode. F that. Yeah. So I mean, they had a combination of reasons. They were problematic profiles. They were either like really, really good profiles, like the Cascada or um, the Vector Operator, were really, really good because that was you know a uh, mimetic MSV two. 6-2 move super jumper uh, with BS-13 and armor 3, and so, like, they were really good. But it was it was fine. It was fine because they didn't have an unconscious state. They just went straight to dead. Uh, that obviously made up for it. This is... God, we're so far off the rails. I'm bringing us back, wrapping it up. How about sectorials? Nathan, when you think of a sectorial, someone wants to get into it, what sectorial are you going to suggest from a gameplay perspective that you think, hey, this is this typifies what you want from a sectorial? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm a big fan of Corrigador. Uh, I think they have a, a nicely balanced play set. But mostly, like, when I pick sectorials, I pick them because they look cool, not because they are good, because pretty much everything in the game is good enough to play. So I pick everything based on how good it looks. So uh, I like a lot of people come into the game and go knights or they see samurai. Do you encourage them to play NA2 armies? Sure. Except for the ones that are just the bad pen, pineapple, apple pen smashed together. I don't like those, but like samurai, like JSA is awesome. Uh, I think Druze is a very interesting, especially if you've read the manga. I think Druze is a very interesting option. And and obviously, like Drews look awesome. Scarface is an awesome model. So I like I pick stuff based on on how cool the models are, not how good they play. Sure, fair. How about you, Devin? Any sectorials that you feel really typify what uh, a sectorial has to offer? That's a tough one because there's a lot of sectorials that I find really interesting. I really like something like Steel Phalanx is super cool to me. I like sectorials that feel like they have a very particular design direction. Something that this is what they do, this is what they do really well, and this is what they don't do or at all or not very well. Like, Phalanx doesn't have camo state at all. That kind of thing is really interesting to me, Like where they kind of make up for some of their express weaknesses by having other express strengths. Like they have just piles of smoke and eclipse. That's how you don't see them. You don't see them because they're in marker states. It's because there's a smoke cloud everywhere. Those sorts of things where they're very distinct about how they operate is really interesting to me. I like that a lot. And so I don't know if I would necessarily say that Steel Phalanx is my favorite sectorial that I've ever seen or anything like that. And I'm sure if I thought about it more, I could come up with other examples. But seeing a sectorial like that or maybe Invincible Army is really interesting to me because they, they have a certain way that they benefit from playing. And so not only do you have a, a visual aesthetic theme, but you also have kind of a, a gameplay style that they lean into, which is one, it's helpful to kind of get an idea for how to make choices early on. Like that can be really useful to know that, oh, okay, well, this faction has a lot of great armored pieces in Invincible Army, as an example. And then so they have a lot of ways to squeeze out extra orders or whatever the case may be. 
I think that's helpful for newer players to kind of lean into, okay, so here's some good things that I can that can help me make good choices to start. And then I can start branching out. Like one of those things where you can kind of learn the rules and then master the rules and then know how to break the rules in the right places sort of deal. Because obviously there are lots of ways you can play these things, but there's kind of a core mentality to some of those where that's going to be constant. Like you could play still phalanx without any Myrmidons, but you know, what does that really get you and why would you be interested in doing that? Um, those sorts of things. Yep. Okay. So we're going to wrap things up here, but before we get to our final thoughts, we want to remind you of Patreon. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Not only does it help us out, but it grants you a number of benefits, such as access to extra content. A hundred percent of the funds gets put right back into the podcast. So find a link to our Patreon page in the show notes, as well as actually a link to our discord channel if you want to keep talking about some of this that we've the this conversation that we've been kicking around with this episode, we certainly would love to pick that up with you on our Discord channel because it's a great community. It's certainly growing. It's super supportive of all things Infinity, not just tactics and gameplay, but the whole the whole gambit. But with that said, Devin. Nathan, what are your final thoughts? I will kick it to you, Devin. Yeah, I think that ultimately both generic and sectorial armies are perfectly valid ways to play the game. And when I say that I think generic or vanilla is better than sectorials, you know, this is not like a huge difference. This is me like 55 45 or 60 40 type split sort of deal it's not that i think that they're not going to have a tremendous advantage necessarily but there's a lot of power in there that i think can be overlooked by players that have some introduction to the game and see fire teams and probably by kind of mid-level play where it seems fairly clear that sectorials have all of these benefits and so of course they're going to be stronger and look why does this agua seal have bs14 when i have to buy an orc to get bs14 and you know things like that uh, so i think that there's a lot more obvious benefit a lot more tangible benefit to a sectorial but i think vanilla is really rewarding to play and has has a lot to offer someone who's trying to take a different approach something that's going to be much more open, uh, a lot more freedom in list building, like you were saying, Andrew. And I think there's a lot of utility that comes from that that's, that's very, very powerful. Perfect. How about you, Nathan? Final thoughts? I think that there's no right answer. I think it's all going to be based on the player. I think there's going to be somebody who can't make vanilla work. And I think there's going to be somebody who can't make sectorals work. I mean, at the beginning, when I started playing Corregidor, I transitioned to vanilla starts winning games. I start my first tournament win with was with uh, vanilla nomads, uh, so I think it's going to be entirely based on the person picking the army and playing the game. Uh, that being said, I think that uh, if you're in that kind of transition to becoming a veteran player and you're having some a rough time, try the other one. You know, if you're if you've been hardcore sectoral and that just isn't working, give vanilla a go, or vice versa. I think that uh, changing up is going to be valuable. Uh, one of the things that I do when I'm trying to train a, a player is I will have them not play a sectoral for a long time so that they get used to using single pieces to get jobs done. Uh, because I find a lot of sectoral players just throw burst five at all of their problems. And then when that burst five goes away, they can't complete any missions. So I think that playing both is going to be of, of value to both uh, both players. So if you're playing vanilla, play some sectorals, learn how uh, the five band link team really works, get really deep into it. So you understand kind of like where the weaknesses are. So you're better at exploiting those. And when you're a sectoral player, play vanilla. So you see how those single pieces react. So when your link team goes down, it doesn't phase you. You just go right to the next thing and keep going. Yeah. I think that's really good. If I had to add anything with final thought, I think Nathan, you're right. The, I, I started with vanilla and I think I've always, leaned towards vanilla because I think I find uh, vanilla provides me an opportunity for creativity 
not just with list building, but just in gameplay. And I like that the freedom that I get from it. But I know for a fact I became a better vanilla player when I started playing OSS and playing a sectorial. It made me better playing both. And I've had a lot of success with both. They're both they they both are really fun. And I think there's a reason why this is an age-old debate because there's no really strong uh, one definitive answer. But there's a lot of good uh, material worth arguing over and debating, and that's what we uh, strove to do tonight. So before we sign off then, let's do a quick uh, raffle where we uh, draw a name from our community for the $40 gift card from Mogul Games. Devin, you want to go ahead and do that real quick? Yeah, drum roll. And our Discord user that's going to win our Mo Games gift card this month is Frozen Mittens. Hey, we know him. Goes to someone pretty active. There you go. Congratulations. So that'll be a $40 gift card that to Mo Games, and so we'll get all that information to you. And uh, you can use that and make sure to post pictures. You see all the cool stuff that you got? And uh, yeah, we're excited to see you. So Andrew, how, how does they win this gift card? How do they win it and if they want to win in the future? They friend us on Facebook. They sign up for our Discord. They are active members of our community. And we draw each month. So go do it. For then Meta Chemistry, this is Andrew. Devin. And Nathan. And that's the Meta.